Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Parenting for the Culture, and I am your host, Cherise Sims. It's been a little while since I've introduced myself, so I want to just reintroduce myself briefly. I am Cherie Sims, this year's PBS Early Learning Champion. I am a mama to six beautiful heavens. I am a wife to Professor Hiram Sims of going on 14 years, and we have a library here in Los Angeles, Southern California, called Sims Library of Poetry, which was formerly my preschool, Hidden Gems Preschool. So I am an early educator, a mom, and I tell you that because as we meet here on Thursdays, I want you to know that I know a little bit of what I'm talking about from the perspective of a teacher and an early educator who has studied child development, but also from the perspective of a mom who knows what it feels like to be like, that doesn't work, (laughs) or I don't have patience for this tip and tool right now. So that's me in a nutshell. As always, I like to start my episodes sharing the peak and pit of my day. This is something that I do with my family. Also, y'all, I apologize. I realized that my peas, I like heavily uh, punctuate my peas when I say them, and I just heard it. I heard it in my own ear. I'm going to work on that so I'm not uh, spitting in your ear over the sound waves. Um, But the peak and pit of my day are that's something that we do with our family at dinner time. It's a way to bond. It's a way to open up conversation. It's a window into one another's days so that we can fully support one another and just be there for each other. Uh, So the peak of my day honestly is right now. I've had a very busy and hectic day, so being able to be in the library, which is where I record, be semi by myself, away from my children for a moment, and have some peace to myself is the peak of my day uh, today. So I'm enjoying this. I'm going to soak this up. I'm teaching a children's book writing class in a couple of hours, so I'm going to be here all night, and I'm going to be with adults, so hopefully nobody's going to be yelling, screaming, and fighting, although... As much as I have faith in adults, that doesn't always work out. (laughs) But my class is fantastic, so I know it's going to be fun. And the pit of my day is kind of the whole day. It's one of those days. Y'all know that saying, like, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Well, today is one of those days that I didn't plan for anything, and I feel like I failed at everything. If you listen, you know that I homeschool three of my children, Three of my children go to traditional school. Three of my children homeschool. And I had nothing planned for today in the realm of homeschooling. And I think we didn't even attempt to get to any learning until about one in the afternoon. And by that time, it was a lot of like, "Mm, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. And like just this resistance to wanting to do any work, which was extremely frustrating to me, made me feel like I was totally failing. Uh, I often tell my children and anybody else that for me, education is like to draw out what's within a person. In fact, the Latin root of education is educare, which means to draw out. Instruction comes from instructare, I believe, which means to pack in. So I truly believe in like education, being able to draw things out of a human, being able to draw out their gifts, draw out their thoughts, help them find what they're good at. Uh, And today, I was not able to draw not diddly squat out of my children. And it made me feel like I was just all around failing. Plus, it was just frustrating to sit there in those moments. You know, when you like desperately want your child to do something and they just won't do it. There's no way, especially when it comes to their thoughts, like there's no way to force them to share their thoughts. So it was a frustrating day. And then when I went to go pick up the three littles from school, I don't know what's up. We've talked about the after school meltdowns before, um, but these weren't meltdowns that were happening in the car. It was just straight screaming, 
like screaming at the top of their lungs. I don't know if they thought it was funny. I don't know if they were mad. I don't think they were mad. They were just screaming, like no tangible reason that I could find while they were screaming. And I honestly did not have the capacity for that screaming. And let me tell you all what I did. So they're screaming in the car. I'm already extremely frustrated with the day. These are one of those moments that I completely want to snap at everybody. I want to like slam on the brake and turn around and yell at people and threaten people and reach for people and snatch things out of their hands that are not staying in their hands. And this is one of those moments that I'm like, nope, I don't want a gentle parent at all right now. I don't want a conscious parent. I just want it to be quiet right now in this moment. And this is one of those moments that I have to stop myself, take a breath, tell myself one of the many mantras that I like to use. In in this day, I had to say, Sharice, this is not an emergency. And at that moment, I just turned around to my children. I did pull over. I turned around to my children and I said, y'all, I'm not here for the screaming today. I can't deal with it. You all need to stop screaming. If you cannot stop screaming, I'm going to pull this car over and I'm going to get out of the car so that I can go to where it's quiet. And when you all stop screaming, I'll get back in the car and we can go home so that you guys can get your snacks, you guys can watch your little cartoons, whatever it is. So, of course, y'all already know Matilda. You know she was the first one. You know I didn't even finish getting that out my mouth before she decided to scream. I would scream in this mic just to show you what it sounded like, but I love y'all, so I'm not going to do that to you. So she screamed, and I kept my word. (laughs) Now, one thing that I really like to do when it comes to consequences is like, one, I like to choose consequences that I know I can follow through with. And two, I like to follow through with those consequences so that my children know I'm serious, so that they understand my boundaries, so that they don't ever feel, and they do, right? They try to push my buttons. They try to push the boundaries, but they still have a clear understanding of when, of the fact that I will do what I say I'm going to do. So I pulled the car over. I got out of the car and I just waited. I sat on the curb. I took a few deep breaths. I tried to ground myself. One technique for grounding that my therapist taught me was to go through your five senses. So you look around and you look for five things that you can see, five things that you can touch, five things that you can smell, five things that you can hear, and five things that you can taste. So I literally sat on the sidewalk, looking around, finding those 25 things. And then I took another breath. I opened the back door. I said, are y'all done? Are y'all ready? At this point, they were they were done. They were for sure done screaming. A little worried because mom got out the car and they were in the car. Some of them were trying to unbuckle themselves to get out the car also. But they did know I was serious and they knew where I was at capacity wise emotionally. So they calmed down and we were able to proceed and go home. (laughs) Now, I share that with you today. One, because that is the pit of my day. But two, because as a parent, sometimes And a lot of times we find ourselves in these situations where we so deeply want to change our children's behavior in the moment. And we want our children to stop something in the moment. And it is so stressful because our children are whole humans that actually have like they're the ones in control of their actions, their reactions, their responses, all of these things. And while we can try to influence how they respond and react to things while we can guide them and teach them differently, it doesn't always work in the moment. And 
for some reason, a lot of us have grown up with this belief that like everything is urgent. Everything is an emergency. This has to stop right now. And the way that it feels in our body and the way that we approach the situation, we really feel like I have to stop this right now. And that's when I that's why I tell myself this is not an emergency. You don't have to stop this right now. Luckily for me today, I had the gift of time. We didn't have to be anywhere in a specific amount of time. We were headed home to do our night routine. So I had time to pull over and take a moment to myself. And while yelling at them may have worked faster, right? I probably could have just yelled and scared them and went ahead and not have stopped at all. Yelling, if you listen to you know the series, which I hope you do, if you haven't, if this is your first episode, please go back and listen to the other ones. But for various reasons, I don't love to yell at my children. I don't think that it's beneficial. I don't think that they learn in that moment. I think they are just scared, shut up, right? So they'll be quiet. Yes, it'll work to get them quiet, but they're not actually learning the skills that they need for me to have children that behave in the way that I want them to, children that know how to function and behave in society. So in those moments, yes, I tell myself, this is not an emergency. You have time. Take care of yourself first, right? Safety is not an issue. They're safe. They're in the seat. And I need to take care of myself. And also, me having this perspective and being able to remove myself from a situation that I can't change in the moment allows me to come back and still show up as the mom I want to show up as. So that is the peak and pit of my day. And that's not even what the episode's about. But I hope you were taking notes because I I just gave you all some gems. (laughs) What I really want to talk to you guys today about is uh, Thanksgiving is coming up. Christmas is coming up. Kwanzaa is coming up. Hanukkah is coming up. All the holidays, New Year's. So we have a slew of holidays coming up. And there are a lot of family things that go into holidays. A lot of triggers and childhood traumas and childhood memories that go into the holidays. So I want to address some of those today. But first, I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Black Love Summit that I went to this weekend. The Black Love Summit was phenomenal. And phenomenal is not even an adequate word that I would like to use to describe it. It's just the word that's in my vocabulary bank at the moment. Um, I really still I've sat with it for a couple of days now, and I still can't fully articulate what it was for me and how special it was. But it was really amazing to be in a space that was honestly and truly just full of Black love. And I think one of the things that was most moving and touching to me was feeling like I was in a space where everyone was winning, right? Like everyone's winning at life. Everybody has these phenomenal jobs. They've got these beautiful families. They're doing all these things. And there was zero competition. You know how there's always like kind of this feeling of like, if if they're winning, I can't win. Or if I'm winning, I can't help them. This room was full of hundreds of Black people who are all winning, who are all loving, and who are all lifting one another. So no matter where they're at in their careers, in their personal lives, in their relationships, they're all transparently sharing what they've learned in an effort to lift their sisters and brothers in that room and outside of that room that can't make it, but will maybe get snippets and and nuggets from the day. And to me, that's just the most amazing feeling to be in. And another thing that I had shared with my husband was for me, it was one of the first times where like I looked at my husband and I was like, babe, I'm in the room. Like, this is amazing. I'm in the room. So on Sunday, we had the Black Love Honors Brunch. 
and black love honored people like Lauren London. Uh, Viola Davis was there and I had a chance to meet her, which was great. And I wish I had something. I Y'all, when I met her, my brain was like, tell her something really great. Say something so amazing that she'll remember you forever. She's going to ask you to be in one of her movies. You're going to get to interview her. She's going to be on Parenting for the Culture. Say something that's going to make that kind of impact, Sharice. What did I say? <laughs> I said, I, 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 I saw the Woman King. It was so good. I feel like a warrior now. And she's so sweet because she still smiled <laughs> and said thank you. But I felt so ridiculous. But that's not the point. Um, the point is that this room was full of amazing people. It was hosted by Niecy Nash. Side note, Niecy Nash and Jessica Betts have a love that is just unmatched. Now, I don't know them personally. I'm not inside their house. I've never witnessed. This was the first time I've ever witnessed any parts of their relationship firsthand. But it was so sweet to me the way that throughout the whole brunch, when Nisi Nash would introduce somebody or introduce a topic, um, as she's hosting, she just kept bringing it back to her wife, Jessica. Like, no matter what, if she's talking about relationships, she's like, uh, you know, she made a joke saying, y'all, I've been married three times, but third time's a charm. And look at my charm right there. And she points to her wife. And to call her wife a charm, it's just, it's so sweet and so beautiful. And it made me think of this idea like action warrants reactions, right? So the actions that we give to people warrant them to react a certain way. And I take that and I think about that even with my children. If my actions towards my children are loving and kind and gentle, their reactions towards me are eventually, maybe not right in the moment, but eventually they're going to be loving and kind and gentle to me and to the world. And so I really saw this with the two of them. Like there is something between the two of them where Jessica treats her a certain way and she can't help but to react in a way that shows appreciation and love to her wife all the time, without question, without cause, just all the time she's showing appreciation and love. And that's such a beautiful thing. So to be in this room full of these names that we all know, full of these people that we all know, the feeling of like, oh my God, I'm in the room. Like little old me with this little podcast, I get to be in this room with Niecy Nash and Viola Davis. And what that does to me is it makes me say, now I want to work harder. Now I want to be better. Now I want to make more of an impact because I'm in the room and I'm not here by accident and I want to deserve to be here and I don't want to be here and people be like, but who's that, right? And I'm not talking about like fame or name. I'm talking about impact and what you're doing while you're here. And as I was feeling this and as I was thinking about this, it made me think about our children, and when we were growing up, a lot of times the idea of children is like they should be seen, not heard. You know, they should be at the children's table. They should be in the other room. They should not, they don't get to be in the room. And so this Thanksgiving, this holiday season, I'm here to encourage you to let your child be in the room. Invite your child to be in the room. Invite your child to have a seat at the table, because what it often does is it raises the child. 
And I don't mean years. I'm raising a child, taking them from infancy to five years old. I'm talking about in their minds, how it raises you up. In my mind, just being invited to be in that room, to have a seat at the table, it raises me up in my mind to want to work harder, to want to live up to the bars and expectations and level of excellency that I see in that room. And so when we do that and give that to our children, it's the same thing with our children. Our children want to raise themselves up to the standards that they're around, more so than asking them to earn it. Because asking them to earn it from another room, they don't even get to see it. They don't see what it looks like. They don't see how to act, how to interact, how to pass a plate, how to say please and thank you, how to show appreciation, how to hug your your family that you haven't seen in a year. They don't see that from the other room. So this Thanksgiving, invite your child into the room. And when I think about this concept, it also makes me think of the Montessori philosophy in, in education. And recently, I would say over the past several years, like Montessori education has become extremely sought out and extremely popular. Whether people know exactly what it is or what it's not, they just know that it's good and they know that they want it for their child. And they also know that it can be expensive because it's good and they want it for their child. And in the Montessori philosophy, a huge part of the philosophy is trusting in children. So there are many parts of the philosophy. I'm not going to get into all of them. Today, I just want to talk about this concept of inviting your child into the room and allowing them space to raise themselves up. Uh, But in the Montessori philosophy, they do things like rather than giving the children plastic cups, they give them glass cups or glass mason jars instead of giving them plastic knives to cut their food and instead of cutting their food for them, they give them real knives and whole food and tell them cut their food. And what the research has shown is that oftentimes these children live up to the expectation and exceed the expectation. When they're given a glass cup instead of a plastic cup, they actually, one, they say to themselves, okay, you trust me, so I trust me. Two, they actually take better care of the item because they know that it's it's it might break. They know it's more fragile and they handle it with more care, especially because now they've been given the opportunity to handle something that adults handle and they don't want to mess that up. So the research has shown that children who are given these real items tend to handle these real items with more care than they do with the plastic items or the flexible items that are made for children to not break. And think about that. Like if you know something is unbreakable, how many people have got an iPhone that was supposed to be waterproof and like really wanted to test it out? Like, hey, they said this was waterproof. I'm gonna test it out. I still got the warranty. You know, we do that even as adults. So with children, you give them something that they know is supposed to be durable. They're gonna test it out. They're not worried about dropping it because it's supposed to not break. But when you give them something that's fragile, they will take better care of it. Now they're kids. They're still working on their fine motor skills and their gross motor skills. So they might drop it accidentally. But overall, they are handling things with more intention and more care. Now, if you look at the research on how they would do that with a cup, 
or a knife, imagine how they do that with their minds or their bodies when you invite them into the room and say, I trust you to be around the adults. I trust you to be in this space. They are going to raise themselves up to a higher standard. So I'm going to give you guys your homework a little bit early, but don't tune out because I'm not done. Now, y'all know I'm an early educator. I said that at the, at the beginning. <laughs> and as an early educator, I do a lot of crafts with the kids. We do a lot of projects. And so I actually have a craft or a project for you guys to do at home. And this is your homework. So I need you guys to follow along. Pause this. Get a pen and paper if you need to. You're not going to do the craft with me right now. You can if you want to. Um, but I at least want you to have the directions. So our homework this week before we're going to Thanksgiving, we're actually going to make our own Thanksgiving plates. What do you mean, Cherise? Why are we making a Thanksgiving plate? We're making a Thanksgiving craft plate. (laughs) We're not putting food on this plate. If you want, you can use a piece of paper. You can draw a plate on your piece of paper, or you can go, if you want to be fancy and have fun like kids do, you can get an actual paper plate and use that. But one of the things that was talked about at the Black Love Summit on one of the panels, Ty Randolph had talked about managing the different aspects of her life and the balance of being a working mother, a CEO of a large company, and having a lot of hours that you have to put into work, but also having small children and a husband. And one thing she talked about was her and her therapist sitting down and looking at her plate and her therapist telling her, your plate is too full. And so often, so many of us deal with this. Our plates are too full. And certainly at Thanksgiving, literally speaking, our plates are too damn full, (laughs) right? We put on all the turkey, all the dressing, all the mac and cheese, all the sweet potatoes. We want to fit everything on that plate because it's so good. We want it all. We pile it high. And then we end up eating ourselves into a food coma where we got to unlatch the top notch of our belts or our, or our pants and we got to sit back and we asleep and the next day we still tired. So figuratively speaking, we don't want to do that this Thanksgiving. We do not want to fill our plates so high that we have to sit back and take a nap and don't have energy to digest all the things that we've put on our plate, to enjoy all the things that we've put on our plate. We want to make a plate that is enough for us to handle, enough for us to consume, and enough for us to enjoy. And if you want to make yourself a to-go plate that you can come to later, do that. But on this plate, on your craft, I want you to write out all the things that you want this Thanksgiving. And I'm not talking about gratitude, right? I'm talking about how do you want your Thanksgiving to look? How do you want your Thanksgiving dinner to look? Because one of the things that we run into a lot of times, especially when dealing with family is sometimes like uncomfortable conversations, age-old arguments, um, boundaries that are being crossed, criticisms that that are being made. And we kind of know and anticipate that these things are coming. And sometimes we dread them. Sometimes we know that we can deal with it and it's worthwhile. But especially now that we have children and we're a generation of parents that are trying to parent a little bit differently, we run into some hiccups with that. So when it comes to your Thanksgiving, what all do you want on your plate? If you want joy on your plate, go ahead and write joy on your plate. And also think about like, how much do you want? If you want half your plate to be joy, go ahead and draw a line down half your plate and write joy. If you want laughter on your plate, put laughter on your plate. And how much laughter do you want? If you want love on your plate, put love on your plate. 
and think about all the things that you don't want on your plate and write those on a separate piece of paper so that you can actually see. If you don't want criticism, put that, actually don't put that on a separate piece of paper. What I want you to do is the things that you don't want, I need you to write those on the outside of your plate. So kind of like in a circle on the outside of your plate, you're going to write these things that you don't want. I don't want criticism. I don't want confrontation. I don't want Aunt Meg hugging my child when my child unsaid no, right? Write those things on the outside. And then on top of those things, you're going to have to write your boundaries. So the same way we make our plate and then we take the gravy and we drizzle the gravy over the whole plate, your boundaries are your gravy. I need you to drizzle those boundaries over the whole plate, but you need to know exactly what those are. When you think of boundaries... One of the best ways that I can think to explain it tonight is using baseball. And that might sound funny, but have y'all ever taken your family to a field and decided you wanted to play a game of baseball or a game of softball? And it's an open field. It's not a baseball field. Y'all just went to the park and we're like, this is a good place. What's one of the first things you have to do? One of the first things you have to do is create the bases. Because if you and your family just go to a park and point in a direction and say, okay, that's going to be first base, that's going to be second base, that's going to be third base, there's home, you are going to have a lot of arguments and disagreements about whether or not someone was safe on first base because y'all don't actually have a boundary or a landing place where someone knows where the base is. And when you don't have a base, what do you do? You find something. You get a sweatshirt and you put it down and you're like, all right, this is first base. Or you get a stick and you draw X in the dirt and you say, all right, this is second base. So when when we're talking about the boundaries, the gravy on your Thanksgiving plate, what are your boundaries? Maybe your boundaries are, I'm going to get ready to step in when Aunt Meg comes over for that hug and say, you know what? She's not ready for a hug right now. Maybe she'll give you a high five. Maybe that's the boundary. Or maybe the boundary is once people start talking about that argument we had five years ago, that's when I'm going to go ahead and make my to-go plate and we're going to say our goodbyes and we're going to leave. Maybe the boundary is a script of telling someone to stop talking about something. I don't know. I don't know what feels comfortable for you. But think about your boundaries and think about your boundaries in terms of an actual action, something that you will do to make sure that this doesn't happen or to make sure that you avoid it or can leave before it happens, whatever it is to protect your peace, to protect your plate, to protect your joy and your laughter and your love so that you can have the Thanksgiving that you want to have and so that you can create the Thanksgiving that you want to have for your children as well. All right, my friends, that's what I have for you today. Um, We are not going to be having an episode on Thanksgiving because I trust that all of y'all will be making your Thanksgiving plates both physically and figuratively and having the best Thanksgiving ever. Uh, But I will see you back on December 1st. So I hope you'll be here. Don't forget that I have a Parenting for the Culture podcast club. The link is in my bio on Instagram at Sheree Sims. And as always, if you guys have a question, especially about the holidays coming up, feel free to submit your questions in the Google form in the show notes. Or you can DM me on Instagram at Sheree Sims. Or you can email us at podcasts with an S at blacklove.com. Don't forget to rate and review this show, y'all. I know that there, like, there's like, I think, 20 ratings. And the ratings and reviews is how people find us. They figure out if they want to stay, if they want to listen. So I need your support. That's my holiday wish. You can fill my Thanksgiving plate by leaving a rating and review. I know that there are a few thousand of y'all that are listening. So if I can get at least a few, a handful, 
I would be extremely grateful for it. Um, I am sending love, peace and light to all of y'all and come back like just because we're not going to be here on Thanksgiving because we're going to be celebrating gratitude and all those other things. Come back on December 1st. I have a lot more for you about the holidays and really stuff that I like really want to get into. We're going to be talking about rewriting our childhood holiday stories and how to create great holidays moving forward with our children. We're going to go more into those boundaries and things like that. So come back on December 1st and don't forget to do your homework. If you do your homework, and I know you will because y'all are amazing students, uh, post it. Post it on Instagram. Tag me. Tag Black Love. I would absolutely love to see y'all's Thanksgiving plates and we can inspire others and make that impact so that we can all raise up and level up. All right, y'all. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>